Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Thanks, Scott, and Happy New Year. Here's what's ahead. 2019 was the year that the bulls really took charge with the market hitting a series of all-time highs. But what do you buy now at these lofty levels? We've got some names. Plus, from paying college athletes to online gambling to media rights, uh, media rights, not meteorites, almost the same. And my four picks for today in the bulls. I'm going to give you those. We'll look at what 2020 could bring in the sports world. And Uber sues California. Burritos ruled in 2019 and commodities made a comeback. But we begin with today's markets and Bob Pisani at the New York Stock Exchange. Hey, Robert. Hello there, old friend. Uh, very narrow trading range. We're down second day in a row, but really it's a, it's a small trading range overall. You know, 16 points in the S&P 500, maybe 200 points in the Dow Jones Industrial Average. You see us uh, down there. The Nasdaq, though, is eking out very small gains. The Dow gainers for the month, well, they're still the gainers for the day. Look at Apple, look at Nike, look at Cisco, all up on the month, all doing pretty well still today, holding up. Uh, the laggards, well, you know, it's interesting. The ones that are down in, in uh, the month of December, also down today. Boeing's had a tough month. Even Disney. Disney topped out uh, beginning of December. It was 152, now 143. Visa's been a huge monster all throughout the year. Home Depot, another one uh, ending uh, the, down today a little bit here. Uh, that was a big mover uh, all throughout the end of December. The one sector I'd point out to you, Joe, is the energy sector. Uh, oil exploration production up again today. And you know all of those really beaten up small exploration production companies, the Whitings, the, the Southwesterns, the Range Resources, all terrible year, terrible three or four years. Since the tax loss selling seemed to have stopped the middle of December, they're all being bought. And Joe, I don't know if this is a mean reversion long term. Remember 20 tens was the worst decade uh, for in, in 20 years for energy stocks, uh, or whether this is just a temporary thing, but these stocks have all done really well in the last couple of weeks. Back yeah. to you. I have no time to talk to you, Bob, but I, had a, I was going to pose a question to you. We, we're posing the, the age-old question, should you buy at all-time highs? Can I ask you a question? At what, Go ahead. At what all-time high that we set over the last five years should you not have bought? What all-time high? At what all-time high that we set each time we set one over the past five years? Should you ever not buy at all-time? Is that real? Is that really something we need to ask? If the market keeps heading higher, you should have no. bought every all-time high. That's right. If you're, I mean, if you're a long-term investor, what does for that sure. mean? I mean I, I, what does this that morning, mean? You're going to wait for ten percent. I'll 10%? tell you what it means. All right. This morning, I showed everybody the average. The S and P goes up. 72% of the time, year over year, when you include the dividend in the last 90 years. That means if you're playing long-term odds, that's what I mean, long-term investors. That's what I mean. That's why you buy and hold. That's Just making a point, Bob, that, you know, if, obviously, we're at all-time highs. So you should have bought every damn all-time high previous to where we are right now, and you'd still be making money. Thank you, Bob Pisani. Okay. It was a year to remember for the Bulls. After a dismal start to 2019, all three major indices are set to end the year with double-digit gains. Dow's up 22%. S&P, 28%. It's easy to say, hard to imagine. NASDAQ, 
35%, a whopping 35%. When it comes to sectors, technology, communication services, and financials are at the front of the pack. Technology uh, on a tear, gaining 47% this year. Communication services up 30%, and financials up 29%. And the best-performing stocks this year, leading the Dow, Apple. Those shares soared 85%, taking first place on the S&P and the NASDAQ 100. AMD up a staggering 148%. Let's bring in Bill Stone. He's chief investment officer of Avalon Investment Advisory and Scott Wren, senior global market strategist at Wells Fargo Investment Institute. I'm I'm not going to beat a dead horse with this, but the same thing goes, Scott uh, and Bill, for individual issues. I mean, people that look to buy a stock on a low, oh, I'm getting a deal on a low. You know what? Usually get some new lows uh, after that. You're catching a falling knife. Don't you think you ought to buy? Should you shy away from a stock that's at an all-time high when it's like an Amazon or a or an Amgen or something over the years? It, it hits all-time highs consistently, Bill, because it's a good stock, right? Well, I mean, certainly if, if the fundamentals support it, and, you know, you're right in, in those cases, obviously, like an Apple, uh, where it's, you know, continued to grow earnings, um, really moved to being, I'll, I'll argue, as consumer product company, uh, maybe even more than a technology company. And it's also got its ecosystem out there that makes it much more resilient relative to some other technology companies. So it probably deserves a better multiple than perhaps people would have put on it in the past. All right, Scott, I, I, they highlighted something on the notes that you said uh, that it's been a good year, obviously. Position for more challenging times ahead. Was there any time in 2019 when that wasn't your sort of your blanket comment well, anyway? I, Weren't you saying I, position well, for no, you all know, year long, position for challenging times? And, and no, you didn't you know, know. You knew we were going to do 28%? Uh, well, we de- we definitely did not though that we're about six or seven percent above what our year end midpoint well, that's was, still which pretty was good, thirty then. thirty. Yeah. So yeah. you know that that's uh, that you know so the market did better than what we certainly expected. But that's pretty but good for if, us. Yeah. yeah, it has been. And you know this year, as I look back this year, what we did is we we reduced risk. We we raised a little cash. We backed off on industrials, and we could have you know said, hey, you know we're doing this a little bit too early. In ha- in hindsight, we did leave a little money on the table, but. We we thought this trade risk was going to last well into 2020, and really the market wasn't looking for much, and I don't think we're going to get much of a trade deal. But that's what really we underestimated, I yep. think, as we look forward. Maybe we, don't so, need, you know, maybe we don't need much. Maybe we just need a trade truce. That's yeah, we had just less tension. I mean, right. that's really all we so needed. So, Bill, how, what would surprise you this year? I'll give you three scenarios. What everybody's saying up mid to high single digits, that's what everybody's saying up 25%, so similar to this year, or down 20%? What, what do you think the most likely scenario is, and what would surprise you the most? You know, I think the most likely is something in that, you know, I, I would say even low uh, double-digit kind of range. Okay. You know, the big, lo- the big losses or big loss I don't expect. Usually the big loss comes with a recession. Um, typically when you go more than the, the 20% loss, that's typically – associated with recession, we just see very little chance of recession. And, and I'll give us a little pat on the back. We said that all year this year as well. Uh, okay. That's why we stayed positioned pretty aggressively relative. All right. And, Scott, what, where are you, are you double, well, low double digits or Joe, low single I tell you, digits? I, you know, I hate to be with the consensus. I know. Uh, I know. We're, in, we're, we're in total return. We're in that mid-single digit. And I tell you, the thing that we could be um, not – 
we, we could be underestimating is the magnitude of chasing, which obviously we've seen a little bit here, but we're in the early innings of that. And if you get some good news internationally, stabilization, maybe a little bit better performance there, that's where the market could put in a better return, uh, we think, than what we're looking for right now. All right. We'll know soon enough. You know, the, as, we the, will. as the first week goes, so goes the first month. As the first month, so goes the year. That's what they say. None of that's true. That, it, none of it is. No, but it gives us something <laughs> to talk about. Uh, it does. The first week of January in Akron. Oh, boy. You better. This is important. Anyway, thank you. Uh, All right. Bill, thanks, uh, guys. Bill happy Scott, New Year. Or, yeah, happy New Year. Here's what else. Thank you. You're welcome. Here's what else is ahead on the exchange. Coming up, going, going, gone. One of the biggest auto executives in history is on the run after escaping Japan while under house arrest. A look at the story of Carlos Ghosn. Plus, states made a bet on online betting this year, and it's paying off big. We'll look at who could get in on the game in 2020. And the name that's contributed the most to the S&P this year. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. As you have probably heard by now, former Nissan chairman Carlos Ghosn has fled house arrest in Tokyo landed in Lebanon after a stop in Turkey, and he has citizenship in Lebanon and is safe from any extradition attempt by Japan. In a statement, he says, I have not fled justice. I have escaped injustice and political persecution. I can now finally communicate freely uh, with the media. For more, I'm joined by Peter Campbell, global motor industry correspondent for the Financial Times. Uh, so little time, so, so much to talk about, Peter. Um, do you well, know, this can is, you uh, confirm, was it in a music case, instrument, a musical instrument case? Do you know, what, what, do you, what do you think for him it would have to be, a cello case? Uh, it, would it have to be a full bass case? Do you, do you know? So do you, without, without, without getting into too many comments and speculations about Carlos Ghosn's height and the relative uh, sizes of instrument cases, um, you know, we still don't have the full details of how he left Japan. He was being tailed whenever he left his apartment. He was under very uh, severe security checks and how he got out of the country and then eventually made his way to Lebanon. There was a, there have been several rumors, several of which have been fantastic during the rounds over the last few uh, hours. Uh, one of which was that he escaped in a music case with a mu- band of musicians that came to his apartment. Now, we don't know if that's true. In fact, that has been denied by people uh, close to Carlos Ghosn. Oh. So we still do not have the details and the full, uh, the full kind of spy thriller level breakdown of exactly how he dodged his minders and got out of the country. But what we do know is this is uh, the latest twist in a saga that has gone on for well over a year now. Now, Carlos Ghosn was arrested in November 2018. At the time, he was still chairman of Nissan, although he'd stepped back from being CEO. He was then charged with uh, having inflated his own salary while at Nissan, but not disclosed it. He was then released on bail. He was then arrested again and charged uh, this time with using company uh, money for his own purposes uh, and then again was released on bail. And uh, it's from that bail that he appears now to have fled to Lebanon. 
He claims he's innocent. He said he's innocent from the outset. Uh, and he has said that there were Japanese forces at work to try and uh, to try and take him out of his position because people within Nissan and within Japan were worried about a, a merge with Renault, who, as we know, are, are Nissan's global alliance auto partner. Uh, and so uh, this has been going on for more than a year now. We'd expected a trial to start in Japan in the next few months of 2020. Uh, there are now big questions over how much of that can go ahead and what happens with that. Uh, but this is the, the latest case and what has become an absolutely extraordinary story. So, Peter, in listening to, to Mr. Ghosn, and, and you have covered this very, very closely, just a couple of things. Would, would you yourself feel totally comfortable with the way justice is carried out in Japan? Because the, the way that, that Peter, or, or the way that Carlos Ghosn has talked about it, it made me a little bit uncomfortable. So I was a little bit surprised to see Ghosn's lawyer I don't know whether it was just boilerplate or whatever, but he immediately said that, that Mr. Ghosn is at fault and shouldn't have done this and that, that he's subverting justice. But from what I just looking at it, I would not want yeah. to be uh, in trouble in Japan because I'm, I'm not sure we have the same justice system in, the, in our country versus theirs. Well, one of the extraordinary things uh, about the case in the few hours after it had transpired, Mr. Gohm was back in Lebanon, uh, was that we all thought maybe there'd been some kind of deal. Maybe they'd reached an agreement to drop the case and he'd left of his own volition. But his lawyers say they had no idea he was planning to leave. As far as we know, they still hold his three passports. Uh, and so the lawyers say they had, had no idea this was going ahead. Now, one of the, uh, the amazing things about the Japanese justice system is its conviction rate, which is well above 99 percent. And now it's often because people confess having been held uh, and having been questioned. They then confess before it goes to trial. So it's a foregone conclusion. Now, yeah. normally this happens within the first few weeks following an arrest. Uh, but Carlos Ghosn was held for, uh, I think, around about 100 days before he was released on bail. And during that time, he never confessed. He always uh, protested yeah. his innocence. He was kept in a cell, uh, which you know, we are told was unheated, which had the lights on for long periods of time, yeah. uh, which I think was right. deliberately uncomfortable. And it's likely that if this had gone to trial, uh, his case uh, would yeah. have been heavily against the Japanese justice system. Doesn't sound he great, Peter. He, yeah, it just, he said just, from the outset, he doesn't have a fair trial. Just on the surface, there, it just to me, it seems like there's some questions. Maybe I shouldn't feel empathy for Mr. Gohn, but uh, I can't help it. Peter, we, we've got to run. We'll, hopefully, uh, we can talk to you again, and uh, you probably have more details at that point. But thanks for, uh, for Skyping with us. I like it. Pleasure. Not at all. Thank you. Kind of cool. All right. Um, Okay, Boomer. Uh, yeah, I understand Skype. Coming up, uh, Chipotle shares have been on fire this year, and there are a few things that CEO Brian Nickel credits for driving the gains, what they are and how it sets up the company for next year. Plus, the 2020 playbook for sports betting, uh, which I know a little bit about uh, this year. <laughs> a look at the money, the main players, and who stands to win big. The exchange is back uh, in just a couple minutes. Deeper data at CNBC. November retail inventories fell 0.7% from October. It's the biggest month-over-month decline since June. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. 
Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate. Pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Hello, everybody. I'm Sue Herrera. Here's what's happening at this hour in our news update. Corey Lewandowski, President Trump's former campaign manager, is passing on running for a Senate seat in New Hampshire. He tweeted out that his family remains his top priority and working to reelect President Trump. Wildfires burning across Australia's two most populous states, trapping residents of a seaside town, destroying a number of properties and causing at least two fatalities. On the New South Wales coast, fires were seen moving towards the highway linking Sydney and Melbourne. Iranian Foreign Minister Mohammad Zavad Zarif meeting his Chinese counterpart Wang Yi in Beijing. The two held a meeting along with officials from both countries. And China ringing in the new year in Beijing. Revelers gathering at one of the venues of the Beijing 2022 Winter Olympics to welcome the decade in with a stage performance and a New Year's countdown under sparkling confetti, followed by a spectacular light show. Wow, look at that. You are up to date. That's the news update this hour. Joe, back to you. All right, Sue. In what universe would either one of us go into politics? Can you, what, what ne- would, never. What would prompt someone? Never. That, that's the problem, isn't it? So who do we I get? S- yeah, I suppose <laughs> that is the. I suppose that is part of the. It's part right. of the problem. Anyway. That, that, that's not. That's neither here nor there. Thank you, Sue. You got uh, it. Th- sports gambling uh, was one of the major stories in the world uh, of sports this year, but it's not the only place with big money at stake. Eric Chemi has a look at what changes uh, we could see in sports business in 2020. 2019 was a big year for sports business, from California voting to pay college athletes to the rapid growth of sports betting. Here's what to watch in 2020. First, sports gambling spreads. Sports gambling will continue to grow across the country. More states will legalize sports betting, bringing the number closer to 20 states that have done so. Pro sports leagues and individual teams will sign a growing number of official partnership deals with casinos and online sportsbooks. And there will be consolidation, as smaller players will get bought out or merged with bigger, more established companies. Second, waiting for payment. The fight for college athletes to get paid will continue to drag out. The NCAA will have their committees and groups working on a variety of rules and policies. Individual states will bring their own bills forward. Lawyers will be busy, and talking heads will have a lot to debate. But the process will go slower than many fans anticipate. And third, schedule changes are coming. All the big pro sports leagues will try, and some will even succeed, at pushing through major scheduling changes to keep up with declining TV ratings and an ever-so-distracted fan base. The NBA might reduce its number of games, but add an in-season tournament or a playoff play-in games. The NFL might add a 17th regular season game, and NASCAR might drastically alter its season-long schedule to move into more urban markets. We, uh, we're going to talk more about this. We're efforting uh, getting our, uh, our content officer at the Action Sports Network on it, and I have some picks. I think this Kentucky game is already happening. Uh, I have uh, Kentucky over Virginia Tech. I'm going to give you all my bowl games if we, do, uh, if we do eventually have a segment on that. Hopefully we will. Anyway, here's what else is coming up on The Exchange. Ahead, it was the year of the burrito. Apple does its part to help the rally. 
Uber sues California. It was a rough year for Airbnb. And a special guest joins us for Rapid Fire. It's all coming up on The Exchange. Let's catch you up on a few stories that should be on your radar. It's time for our final rapid fire of 2019. And here with their take, Kate Rogers, Bill Griffith, and Morgan uh, Brennan. Thank you for being here again. Oh, no, thank Uh, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. I saw you earlier, and I saw you yesterday. Two days in a row. row. First up, the S&P 500 on pace for a record-setting year. And Wall Street? has Apple to thank, among other uh, tech giants, but really Apple, which accounted for more than 8% of total market gains in 2019, the highest of any stock. Apple shares, uh, if you're not counting, up 85% this year, on track for the best year since 2009. And that was from you know, already like an $800 billion company. How do you go, or seven, how do you go up 80% when you're already worth $700 billion? You, remember, well, you go over a trillion. Who That's was how the you big market it. bellwether in, in the early 80s? Amgen, I don't IBM. Know. IBM. IBM, Big Blue is the big one, and now Apple is the, uh, the, the big market cap. Up more than, it, and they, there, it was at 140. So if you calculate it from where the lows this year, it's up more than 100%. So. Once again, though, technology is the leading uh, indicator. It's no surprise that uh, we've been focusing so much on the FANG stocks because that's where the growth is, that's where the innovation is, that's yeah. where the. the the, uh, well, you the made a point about IBM because that's certainly not the leader not anymore. Now. But who not is? Now. Who has been there and is still there? Microsoft. Think about yes. that. Well, it's back. It had certainly a, is. It had yeah, a, it a trillion dollars. It had, had a nuclear winner there so, for a while. But it did, but now. it's a trillion dollar company. I guess Windows. Do people still use that? The cloud. Uh, the cloud. We do here. In fact, I need to. What about Laptop before the end of the year. Oh, and you got Jedi. And you got Jedi. You know, Y2K or Y. Y22K. That's right. Is that what this is going to be called Here's the interesting thing about Apple, though, and the run we've seen in that stock. Earnings, largely flat this year. This has been a straight-up valuation. This has been a a P.E. ratio. It's been a multiple expansion, um, and it really speaks to the fact that investors are starting to not look at Apple as a value stock anymore, but, again, as maybe one of those growth stocks. Well, and also what the pivot into some of these other things like wearables, the AirPods, both versions of them, the watch, what that's doing for the company, and also people looking ahead to 5G and what that means for Apple in the next year. Apple has done something that IBM didn't do, and that's go with the times, you know, Mm -hmm. and evolve. Apple is now wanting to become a services-oriented company, not just a product company. IBM got lost in the sauce. I'm in the whole ecosystem with Apple Music and everything, but, I mean, you've got to admit, Every, everybody I see has an Apple iPhone, and, and, and then they come back with these AirPods. Everybody I look at has those things hanging out of there. It's amazing that everyone in the world gets whatever Apple is, is selling. It's, it's, right. it's again and again. It's incredible. We've got to move on to this. And I blame you to some extent and all you crappy politicians. You're pointing in everything. California. California. You want to kill the gold? Like you never you know, lived there? I did, but I didn't grow up there. I didn't breed these politicians that are going to kill the gold. What, you want to ruin the gig economy? Let's do it. Anyway, Uber and Postmates <laughs> are suing the state of California in an attempt to block uh, its new labor law, and I, I may contribute some money to them. The bill set to take effect tomorrow requires gig economy workers to be reclassified as employees instead of contractors. The Uber lawsuit argues that it's unconstitutional and carves out in its words, nonsensical exemptions from certain roles. And I know I'm not supposed to rant. This is your time, Bill. You'll be able to talk about this. Uh, but the gig economy is tough enough for these companies. They're never going to make money, probably. And they're constantly undercutting each other. Now you want to make them 
pay how much more? So, so that they cost more than taxis? So the taxis are all of a sudden what you want, want to use again? Do you want to kill the gig economy? These You're, are the wacky politicians in California. You ready for this? this? Uh-huh. I agree with you. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> we- there are some, it, it, it's not the best written bill. Uh, there are some, these exclusions are yep. weird. They to are begin very with. weird. You know, I mean, milk. Truck drivers. Direct are, salespeople, travel agents, grant writers, construction truck drivers, yeah. commercial fishermen. But not freelance writers. Exactly. Yes. Not truck drivers mm-hmm. more broadly. Right. And of course, not, not some of these independent contractors within the gig economy. Here's what's interesting about this lawsuit it's not just the companies that are filing it, it's also two of those contract workers, which I think actually speaks to the fact that many of the people that are working as drivers, for example, yeah, maybe they'd want some more benefits, they want some more protections. But they're working between all of these companies. Exactly. And what does this do to their ability to do that? And when there's no Uber and no Postmates, not only will you have no benefits, you won't even have any paychecks. Well, so you'll have that we'll going see. for I mean, you. This is going to be challenged in the people, courts. It's already now sure. starting. Uber and, provides a pretty good service for people that use it and for people that, have, that, that are using it for part-time employment or even that full-time. We have, by the way, next hour on Power Lunch, uh, one of the congressmen uh, from California who was involved in doing AB5, as it's known. We'll talk talk more about it. I said, I made some throwaway comment this morning that the wacky Democrats in California have have done a lot of bad things in that state. Have they not? And and people take issue with that. People take. Well, look, it's my you grew last, up in Tehachapi, my right? My last day. It's my last day. Don't make me <laughs> screw things up, okay? All right. Put in if you try. All right, and then this is shaping. I have comments about this too. I'm sure you do. This is shaping up to be the year of the burrito. Shares of Chipotle are on a tear. What could you possibly rant hear, upon this? You'll one? hear nearly doubling in 2019. You'll hear and blowing away the 28 percent gain for the yes. Am I allowed? CEO Brian Nickel appeared on CNBC earlier today and said, "Innovation is to thank." You'll see. We made a lot of progress in our operations in the restaurants, so I think the food is consistently better. Um, I think the speed at which we're doing it is better. And then, obviously, we've added new access around this uh, digital space and the digital system. That's been a real growth driver in the business. And then the other thing that we've done is, uh, you know, we've done some fun things around the menu, whether it was lifestyle bowls or, uh, most recently, the uh, carne asada steak. I have more to read uh, before we can talk. Meanwhile, analysts continue to love the stock, too. SunTrust says new menu items uh, will give Chipotle sales a big boost later in the year. Piper Jeffrey just called Chipotle its top investment for 2020. Here's my angle. What's the problem? Because when they hired Brian Nickel, he was coming from Taco Taco Bell. Bell. And everybody said, oh, no, oh, no, he's going to turn Chipotle into Taco Bell. Good. Do it. Get rid of all that cilantro and all the natural stuff. And give me a Dorito taco covered with cheese and hot sauce, and that's what Which, he's done, way, and that's why it's working, okay? Can Not I a burrito in? bowl. Go ahead. Not this that. is her beat, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I know you remember when I said that? I, I think they should have just converted all of them to we, Taco Bell. We know, we know. Um, okay, so <laughs> Brian Nichols did a great Talk job with here. this, we know <laughs> this, okay, this uh, transformation story. So he mentioned the Lifestyle Bowls. That was something that they launched last oh. year, right around this time, because people are looking to get healthy for the new year. They did it with as Mexican a, food? a digital-first initiative and helped to grow that platform. Digital sales just hit the billion-dollar mark for them. They've been up uh, nearly That's 100% the past 
three quarters in a row. I mean, it's a, an incredible growth story. It and is. and I think that's why something, because the line is kind of blurring, right? you got the Taco Bell cantinas now mm. coming in to try and take on Chipotle yeah. in places like New York City. Mm-hmm. And now you got Chipotle, and Brian Nickel talked about this today, too. Um, the fact that they're expanding into drive throughs as well, mm-hmm. and the fact that digital enables them to do that yeah. with some you can pretty crazy wait ahead. times, low right. wait times. He proved an adage that I've been saying for a while. It's not exactly what you're selling, it's how you sell it. That's and true. the yeah. digital sales have taken off. We talked about that company. yesterday. Yeah. That's Turned how you improve. By the way, speaking of AB5, this is a company that uses delivery companies. We'll see what happens. Yeah, they, DoorDash is their main partner. Do you, mean I'd, you mean I'd have to go to Chipotle to pick but up my food? You can do it at the drive through We agreed on something else. Can we all agree that the the worst Mexican food is great. Can we all? Would we? There is the no bad Mexican food. There is no bad Mexican food. There is not. There's really not. Yeah, right. You can do it healthy, though. Especially like in Southern California. No, don't <laughs> make me go healthy. The salad. Don't it's make me go healthy. Especially in Southern too. California. All right. <laughs> all the little taquerias there. So oh, good. Mm. I've had them down uh, near Cancun. After I had my well, bout with Montezuma's Revenge, and I was, oh I was God, ready to go. You were back to get in the saddle. And I was back to get it, and I went okay. on the road. Oh, no. and, and huevos, rancheros, loaded up. Wow. Give it to me. You can't hurt right. me. You can't hurt TMI. me. And fi- finally, <laughs> share less. Finally, finally, we couldn't let 2019 and you know, Tulum is down there uh, without looking back at all the great rapid fire segments that we've had. I probably won't be in this at all. I may not even watch. Let's do a rapid rewind and check out some of the year's best and worst moments. Uh, welcome back. Uh, that's what not is. even a word, dribble. The Dribble dribble is a perfectly acceptable ex- uh, <laughs> phrase here on Rapid Fire. And the average age is probably about 60. And most of them don't wear shirts. Well. And that's just the women. <laughs> to go first. has mom jeans knows that those are actually the most comfortable jeans, so these are really wrong. <laughs> if Victoria's Secret would, would stop printing words on the butts of its underwear, <laughs> maybe it would find a broader customer base. Because I need an LVMH hoe. Their testing technology now seems like a no-brainer. Yeah, but my oh, great wow. fear is having EMTs pounding on my door when I'm making other unique sounds. <laughs> wow. This is terrifying. Did I ever tell you this? Uh, the one on the left once spent eight hours tucked in under the hood of my car. I googled sexy daytime movies <laughs> just to see what would come up. Number five was a movie called Bang Gang. Okay, that's all I I'm saw. not sure. Are these movies guess. you watch on I date haven't night? Seen I don't any know. Of those movies. Different time for rapid fire. <laughs> this is what we used to call a babe magnet. I'm not touching your apples. The, I learned <laughs> that's going to be a meme. I learned a diaper that could actually track how your kid's doing in the crib. If you're getting a notification on your Apple Watch that your kid just yeah. went. I mean, do you, do you really need that all day up? Yeah. Spoiler alert. Now, if you, you haven't seen it. Avengers Endgame, then yeah, you know that Tony Stark died. Tony Iron Stark Man dies. What? Iron Man dies. And, and I didn't see it. There are some states and counties where you can hunt, somewhere you can't gamble. Uh, the county I live in, in New Jersey. You literally just took, you just I, described my entire Sunday. I just I marvel at, at your mind. It's unbelievable. God, it's just a, it's a hamster wheel of garbage. <laughs> Thank you all very, very much. Bye. Bye. See ya. You're all here. I, I just, whoa, 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 whoa. I really miss her. Oh, oh my whoa, God. What? Whoa, whoa. What? Whoa, whoa, whoa. You cannot do a rapid fire year in review without me. Did I well, we just did. Did I do something else wrong? Is everything okay? Did I, do you want, are, I'll leave. Welcome back. How are you? Aren't, aren't I missing? What, where's the baby? That's Where's the baby, I Sue? You tell I, us. I have the baby, guys. How's he doing over there? How's he doing? I just woke up the baby. Uh-oh. Yeah, God, that baby he was awake earlier. He's doing great. 
He you, is the most beautiful so little guy. He is. He's I'm going to turn him a little bit, but, but I don't want the lights to get him. I've been gone for so long. Congratulations, Sue. I've been gone for so oh, long. Please. I didn't even realize. Uh, <laughs> please, Joe. <laughs> so. Oh, no, I'm that's... Done. Oh, that's... Oh, okay, that's yours. This is go. Kelly's new little boy. Yeah, he's he, he, the newest and, and member. Thank, thanks to Mike Santoli for his little duds there. He's looking pretty Aww. pretty sharp. Nice. Isn't he sweet? Oh, sweet. A lot of Where's number one? He's chopped liver now. He didn't make the... Number one's with Daddy, where they've been spending a lot of time together lately. Tell you, divide and conquer. That is the secret. You know, uh, he's a beautiful newest member of the CNBC family. Thank you, you, Sue. He is so sweet. Uh, Now that I'm uh, retiring and you're still on maternity leave, I'm I'm, I'm hoping I can come over for a cup of Folgers coffee and we can watch soap operas together. That's all I've been doing. (laughs) That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. When is the? I mean, I love being here, but when do you get? uh, March. It's gonna fly. It's like two months. Oh, it's great. Left to go. It's flying. Hey, what was your favorite story this year? Oh, my gosh. Is that what we were just talking about? This would be the rapid fire rapid rewind fire. right now. Rapid question. I mean, favorite story of rapid fire was Bill's Googling habits. Leslie Picker especially enjoyed that, yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I missed that. I don't know yeah, if I want to know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. We'll just leave it at that. There's too many to pick from. and uh, yeah, not. I, I, I just, I'm excited to get back in the saddle if Joe will let me have it back here. You can, You're having a little yeah. too much fun without me. Really? Um, I'm, I'm it doing, is fun. I do like the show. I'm doing power like lunch by myself <laughs> yeah. next hour. That's all right. Any, anyone? anyone? Joe said he'd stick around. You can do it together. I never said that. Yes, no, no. I, <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> Anyhow. It's neat to see you. It's, it's really great. Congratulations. You. Congratulations. You. As you guys here all know, work is now a vacation. <laughs> for, for, for you, yes. <laughs> exactly. at home, yeah. <laughs> well, happy new year. Thank you for happy being happy new year. Year. Should I take stay my there. just yeah, I'll just stay. There. stay. He misses his mommy, Kelly. I know. Oh, I got him to oh, I got him back to sleep. Maybe better not stay there. <laughs> he went back to sleep and I'm ready to do the handoff. Good Congratulations. Job. Can you come home with me? <laughs> I would love to. He's adorable. <laughs> he's such a good Nanny baby. Sue. He is. He's very good. Thank you, Sue. Thank you, Kate. Thanks, thank guys. you, Bill. Thank you, Morgan, and thank you, Kelly. Thank you. And come back. So coming up uh, from <laughs> from Apple to Amazon, every major tech company. Heading into the new year, betting on healthcare, but it's not going to work out for all of them. Uh, look at who stands to win in this race. Is it okay if I? You want to read this, Kelly? You want to disrupt the three and a half trillion dollar medical sector? Excellent. We'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back to the exchange. Uh, going into 2020, almost every major tech company from Amazon to Apple to Google has a healthcare story uh, that they want to tell. But if history teaches us anything, it's that healthcare has been a weak point for many of them over the years. CBC.com's Christina Farr wrote about this today, and she joins me now. It, what is the allure? It's like, I, I guess maybe it's because everything begins with a T when you talk about healthcare is in trillions, but. It's, yep. it's, it's not as Absolutely. easy. They think they can come in here. They're so smart. They've done all this other stuff. We can figure out healthcare. Has anyone done it? Not really. I don't think we can take a look back at the past decade of attempts to move into healthcare from these tech companies and say that anybody has had a home run in this space. There have been a lot of attempts, and some of them were actually abject flops. Um, Google Health shut down in the early part of 2012. Microsoft Health Fold, it was another attempt to kind of pull in medical information for consumers similar to Google Health, also shut down um, actually earlier this year. So we've had a couple of failures. 
ideas. And for the most part, you know, you've seen companies sort of try and play with different ideas, but I don't think that we can really say quite yet that any of them are saving lives and, and truly kind of disrupting the sector. That's probably going to come in the next decade. Probably, yeah. I'm trying to think of the different approaches you could, you could use. Obviously, I, I would not want to count Apple out because of the wearable segment. And mm. I, can, I just can't imagine how you could not at least uh, be somewhat successful sending data to doctors uh, on EKGs or, or heart rates or blood pressure. And, and, you know, watching what Apple's been able to do disrupting other industries, would, would you count Apple out? That, that may be the one that, that you think has a pretty good shot. I actually do rate Apple um, as being one of the ones that has the greatest potential in this space. Ten years ago in 2010, they were not really doing anything in healthcare. And now, you know, I've been reporting that they've got dozens of doctors on their staff. They've got a whole wide range of products from their medical clinics for employees. Um, As you mentioned, the EKG on the Apple Watch that tracks the heart's rhythm. And they've got a lot going on in wellness and and fitness as well. I think for Apple to, to really make a huge difference in the next 10 years, it would be to introduce something like non-invasive and continuous monitoring of blood glucose or blood pressure. That would absolutely change the game for millions of people who have chronic conditions. And I've heard that they're working on both those things. They're just mm-hmm. extremely challenging to get right. So I'm, I'm waiting for that from, from Apple before I would say that, you know, I've, I've been totally blown away by, by what they've been offering so far. You know, there'll be a, a, a merger between other uh, disciplines, too. We're getting close, but identifying more and more uh, cancer-specific antigens that, that, I mean, too bad Theranos was a scam. Uh, I mean, someday we will be able to identify a lot more with, with really small amounts of, of blood, and, and you can imagine monitoring for cancer antigens. I, I wish we had Google's expertise or Microsoft's expertise to, to collate all of the patient data to, to look for trends and to look for ways of preventing things from happening, looking at best treatments, sharing medical records between all your different doctors, uh, drug-drug interactions with any pharmaceuticals you're getting. I mean, it's, you wonder why it's ripe, Christina. That's why it's ripe. There's a lot of things you could think about. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, we actually started to see the very beginnings of just what you're talking about in the past few years. These companies have started to forge deals with health systems. They've been pulling in all kinds of data and then using their machine learning to do exactly yep. what you just suggested. And even predicting disease, figuring yep. out who's going to get sick. Even basic I mean, science. Now. Even basic science. Even basic science. You, you need and to, we've even to use AI and, and, and you need to use computers and the, the merging of IT and biotechnology and rational chemistry, all that stuff is, is merging. Christina, you need to stay on this beat. Uh, you have an, an odd San Francisco accent, but I'm, I'm going to go with that. I guess you've lived there quite a while. Thank you. Uh, we appreciate it. And happy San Francisco New- by way of London. Yeah. But, oh, oh, see, I knew that. I'm kidding. Anyway, uh, happy New Year. Good to see you. For more on the story, you can read Christina's story uh, on CNBC.com. I knew that. Kidding. Coming up, uh, before potentially going public next year, Airbnb is taking steps to assure the public and uh, investors that it can control its platform. Uh, a look at what the company is doing straight ahead. Twenty states, twenty so far, have legalized sports betting in one way or another, and with more expected to pass uh, legislation next year, more than half the country may soon uh, be able to place their bets. For more on what. Uh, That could mean for gambling revenue and the future of sports betting. I'm joined by Chad Millman, chief content officer at the Action Network. Uh, Chad, I talked about this a lot uh, for the last, I don't know, ever since I joined DraftKings. Uh, And I think it makes teams more valuable. 
Uh, every, I think it makes the rights to broadcasting the events more valuable. I watch many more events. I've got four bets on a day on, on bowls I would have never even known existed before, and not big bets. And I've only, you know, I started with $500 four or five months ago, and I'm still working that off. I, admittedly, it's getting a little light at this point, but it's a game changer. And, and I wonder, will someday all 50 states, will I be able to do it? Because I get closed out if I'm in New York. I can't bet. I think it. I think it'll get close. I think there's always going to be a couple of hang, a couple of holdovers that don't get there. But certainly by the end of 2021, uh, we're projecting at the Action Network that 37 states will have legalized sports betting, and that means well over half the country will have access to sports betting. What's really interesting, you mentioned New York, right? So you're in Jersey, and the studio's there uh, in New York, in Jersey, 44 percent of the bets that are happening in New Jersey are happening within two miles of the state line. <laughs> Meaning there are so many people who are coming in from New York and North Jersey and Philly and South Jersey and making bets and then just going back to Philly and to New York and Pennsylvania. Yeah. You know, I worry when I hear things like that about what we're doing. But, but I'm telling you, it's not a lot of money that I'm using. And, I, and I'm watching the games that I would not have watched before and enjoying them. And I get... You know, sometimes I, I mean, I get mad when I'm losing and every play matters. And, you know, when they don't hit a free throw, it's like, oh, my God, I'm not going to cover and stuff like that. But it just makes it it reminds me of, of when I used to do March Madness, just be in a pool. And I'd watch all 16, 32 games, whatever they have on a, on a given day. I'd want to watch every one of them. Isn't that good for, for the sport and for the media uh, people that broadcast these things? Well, absolutely right. And, and, and on CNBC, you guys had the owner of the Giants on about a month ago and he talked about. Could there be a correlation in the uptick in ratings for the NFL so. to the to the advance of gambling and legalized betting? And I absolutely think so. I mean, I think it keeps people engaged for a much longer period of time. I think once the tide had turned and people had decided in in sort of positions of power within the leagues, once they had decided, okay, this is something we're not going to be able to stop, they're embracing the idea that this is going to pe- keep people engaged in our sports. And not just in our sports and watching them on television for longer. It's going to keep people engaged in the stadium for much longer. Think about the ways in which in legal states gonna, where people gonna will be activating too. for a much longer period. And of time. you're going to start doing in, uh, in, intra-game betting. And you bet on every NFL game, and 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 you actually have a winning record. Is that true? I bet on every NFL game this year, all 256 games. I finished 141, 112, and three. So I was that's unbelievable. At, uh, nearly 56 percent. Joe, yeah. it's insane. With the spread, was, with the spread or, or just winner? And that, was, that was with the spread. With the spread. So, like, think about this. If you're winning at 52.4%, you're clearing cash, right? You're making yeah. money, and that's sort of... That's not the point. Level. It's like, I, I just like to keep scores. Okay, here's who I got today, and, and people, I promised them, and everyone wants to do the opposite. Uh, I got Utah with seven, giving 7.5, Navy giving 2.5, Florida State getting 3.5, and, and I got Kentucky uh, getting 2.5. I don't know what you think of those, but... Uh, I promise I'd, I'd get, I can't believe I'm betting on, like, the Red Box Bowl. There's, like, 50 yeah, you're bowls. you're betting on the Belt Bowl. Well, you're <laughs> betting on the Belt Bowl, and I, I, you, don't be ashamed of it. Just own it. Oh, I'm owning it. Have fun. I may even do a couple NCAA, a couple basketball games, too. Anyway, thank you, Chad Millman. Uh, we got to run. Uh, come on, Squawk. I want to talk to you more. Coming up uh, after this, it's one of the next, uh, next year's most hotly anticipated IPOs, but with plenty of controversy in 2019. Airbnb, people sleeping in your bed. It had a lot to do with uh, strangers. 
Uh, anyway, has a lot to, of work to do to convince investors it can control its platform. A look at what the company is doing on that front next. <laughs> All right, this year, the Renaissance IPO ETF is outperforming the S&P despite all of the IPO turmoil. Among the unicorns with IPO potential in 2020, Airbnb, arguably uh, the most anticipated as it approaches the public markets. Investors and regulators will have questions regarding safety practices on the platform. Join us now is Kirsten Grine, a reporter at the Wall Street Journal. And when you Look at any of these situations or any of these anecdotes, Kirsten. They're, they're frightening, just like the Uber incidents were frightening. But then they say there were a billion rides, and we're talking about if you do the percentages, it's like, you know, you're going to get eaten by a shark before something happens. But it doesn't matter. It's still they're frightening. Some, of the, you know, some adult gets in bed with a seven-year-old child at an Airbnb. I mean, what, what do you do about that? Right. I mean, the question is not just about the numbers. It's really about how much is Airbnb doing to police these problems and how much should it be doing, which is really the big question for all tech companies right now. How many different countries, states, cities, how would you possibly get a standardized background check to to make things safer with with Airbnb? Isn't Isn't that part of the territory when you do this? Background checks are really complicated. What we tried to focus on here was to look at the company's efforts over the years and what they tried to do, looked at doing, and didn't do. And what we really found is that some members of their trust and safety team in charge with user safety had wanted to do more and were ultimately overruled on some points. What would you, if you were in charge, if you were queen, king, whatever, what, uh, what, what, should Airbnb do? What should their should they should they let the localities dictate what happens? Should there be something a universal standardized system for what they do around all around the world, or and how strict should it be? And how would they do that? They'd need a I don't know. They'd bring in Ken Feinberg or some outside person that, that would figure <laughs> out how to. I mean, he's busy. He does every time we need to do something. We need Ken Feinberg, right? Right. You know, I don't think I get paid enough to really quite make that determination myself. Um, I can only really tell you what some employees had tried to do over the years and kind of got pushback on because it would stop growth. So one of those was a big debate over whether or not all users should be required to show a government ID. So in the U.S., like a driver's license. And some members of the trust and safety team really thought this would help weed out bad actors. I mean, you've, you've heard about all okay. kinds of problems on the platform, like theft and people right. watching you we, in their cameras. Yeah, we do have a comment, yeah. uh, Kirsten, and I guess I have to read mm-hmm. that and, and then uh, go to the next, next show. Th- thank you for your uh, time today. But here's what Airbnb said. They, Airbnb does not solely rely on government identifications because of the fact that such identifications are not globally accessible and strongly believes that a verified identification system is a far better way to assure the accurate identity of the users the unsubstantiated implication that the decision by the company, including its CEO, was related to reasons other than the best interests of users is simply wrong. Okay, I didn't know how long that was. We got it in. Thank you, uh, Kirsten Grind. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently 
at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation.